Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. excited about the 12th of December? Not particularly. The time for protest is over. It's time for leadership. And that is what this government provides. In every town and village in this country, Labour will be there giving a message of real hope where this government offers nothing. People have a very clear choice. If they want Brexit, they can vote for Labour or the Conservatives of the Brexit Party. And if they want to stop Brexit, they need to vote for the Liberal Democrats. You're listening to Bloomberg Westminster, your daily guide to British politics. I'm Caroline Hepker. Welcome to the programme. So polls may show the Conservative Party in the lead at the moment, but Mr Johnson and other Tories are warning against complacency just 14 days ahead of the UK general election. The Labour Party, meanwhile, criticising Mr Johnson, saying he's running scared of scrutiny. Well, we're going to discuss that later in the programme. We'll talk about polling with Delta Poll's Joe Twyman. Uh, but but first, let's take you through the agenda. The NHS will not be part of any trade deal with the United States. That's according to the Prime Minister, Mr Johnson. He told the broadcaster ITN that he'd rather walk away from a post-Brexit agreement with Washington. We say goodbye. Really? We say see you later. Yes. You'd walk away from We'd trade talks? We'd walk away. From, we literally, that would be it. So the Prime Minister that the opposition Labour Party alleged that the Conservatives have held secret talks with the US discussing access for American companies to the National Health Service. Well, joining me in the London studio this morning is uh, Bloomberg Brexit editor Ed Evans and Adam Blenford, who edits the Bloomberg Brexit Bulletin newsletter. That's Brexit B on your terminal. Well, well welcome to you both. Thank you for joining me. Um, so look, uh, Adam, just first of all on this NHS issue, it's really emerged this week as a pretty key battleground. But then Mr Johnson had to admit that that pledge of 50,000 new nurses for the NHS, actually 19,000 was uh, for retaining, 19,000 nurses uh, that he wanted to retain in the service. Yes, uh, the, the, the NHS is always an emotive issue in elections. Um, it's con- it's a constant um, battle to, to sort of win the narrative between the, the you know the, the, the Conservative Party and the Labour Party. Um, and Jeremy Corbyn started the week, the Labour leader, trying to sort of unveil a, a dossier that he said was 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 proof that the that, that a trade future trade deal with the US would would um, put the, the NHS on the table, and that's that that phrase just keeps being hammered home. You know, both sides are kind of arguing over it. Yeah. It's becoming. It, in a way, it's becoming lodged in our brains. This on the table, on the table, and um, uh, and of, of course, uh, the you know the arguments about whether or not that the, the information released proves proves uh, Mr. Corbyn's case. They're ongoing. Um, Boris Johnson, he's he's trying to defend this fifty thousand nurses line. He's been um, he's come a little bit unstuck about it on television. Mm-hmm. He's come a little bit unstuck about it on the radio this morning. But he's kind of got this air where he just tries to brush it off. He yeah. he he seems to brush over it even when confronted with some of the numbers, as you've said. Yeah, absolutely. That four hundred and fifty something pages that Mr. Corbyn was brandishing I mean, didn't seem to have the kind of exact line that would really nail the argument that. 
that Labour was talking about. Ed, what have you made of this week? Um, a big one for the NHS uh, and also, of course, for the poll that came out this week showing uh, the Tory party potentially in the lead or forecast to win uh, a big majority in the general election. That from YouGov this week. Yeah, and also Labour's troubles with anti-Semitism as well. I mean, it's been a, a big week for the campaign. I think what the poll has done is really crystallised the key thing here, which is this election is going to revolve around Brexit at the end of the day. And people are now, the campaigns are now shifting as we go into the final fortnight back towards Brexit. So we've had Boris Johnson and Michael Gove just now talking about Brexit and how the Conservatives want to get Brexit done. And Labour reportedly having some um, internal discussions or disputes about its campaign, about whether they target offensive seats or whether they need to shift more resources into defending the seats that they already have, which happen to be the ones in leave areas. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, look, the, the other issue, of course, is um, around President Donald Trump arriving in Britain on Monday. So this issue, Adam, around what happens post the Brexit deal that will get done on the January 31st, according uh, to the Tory party, you know, what happens then with negotiations with the EU and Mr Johnson saying that there are a dozen or so trade deals already virtually ready to go. Well, let, let's see how things play out after the, after January the 31st. It's obviously the case that an, a sort of third party UK will, will be wanting to strike free trade agreements with a number of different um, of, of, uh, nations or blocks. But um, there are going to be competing interests on those. If you're trying to if you're trying to strike a deal with the EU at the same time as striking a deal with the US, that's going to put you in a, maybe pull between two stools. In terms of President Trump, um, you know, the uh, Prime Minister this morning has tried to say that he thinks, you know, he hopes um, Mr. Trump would stay quiet when he comes uh, to the UK for the NATO summit next week. Um, it's perhaps the case that. You know, he's, inter he's intervened in the past or he's mm -hmm. made his views pretty clear. It's not a secret which way he prefers no. the UK to go. So Absolutely. maybe he doesn't need to speak up. Well, um, yeah, so Mr Johnson's saying that the two allies have, quote, traditionally not uh, gotten involved in each other's domestic politics, trying to sort of emphasise that point. But it does seem to worry the Tory party having uh, Mr Trump, you know, here on, on UK turf. Yeah, I mean, the big risk for, for Johnson is that Trump arrives, says something unscripted off the cuff along the lines of, yes, the NHS is sure going to be the first demand <laughs> in any trade Deal. And then he's got a very major domestic political issue uh, on his hands. I mean, he's been trying very carefully to neutralise the NHS. It's not an area the Tories poll particularly strongly on. It's one where Labour's made a lot of ground on. Uh, and Trump is an unknown risk with a penchant for tweeting in the early hours of the morning. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, meanwhile, the TV interviews and debates, I can hardly keep up. There have been so many of them. Interviews and debates, the latest row being around Channel 4, replacing Boris Johnson as well as the Brexit leader with a block of ice. Uh, just uh, have a listen to uh, this from, the, uh, from Jeremy Corbyn, because he was there. Uh, have a listen to what he said on Channel 4. There has to be a much more efficient link-up of the Eurostar rail service with the whole of the rest of Europe in order to reduce the number of short-haul flights that go to Europe. And there has to be an expansion of our rail network all across the country and also make the train fares cheaper. So Jeremy Corbyn basically talking about this election being the last chance to tackle the climate emergency. Uh, what do you make of this, row? I mean... A, is climate change and the climate issue going to become a more important issue in this election? And B, on the kind of debates themselves, what does that mean for, for Mr Johnson? 
Well, the, the climate issue is, is, is a vital issue in this election, whether the voters choose to um, take it on board or not. Uh, you know, if, if, as the polls suggest, the Tories are on course for a fairly comfortable majority, um, that, that could herald five years, uh, four to five years at least, of, um, uh, of, of, of solid government. And, and you know, if, if the climate projections are correct, then that's, that's almost halfway through a decade in which, uh, in which carbon uh, emissions need to come down severely. So, so what the next government does is going to be massively important. Um, and the important thing was actually the, 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 the tenor of the debate last night, mm -hmm. and it was missing a conservative voice in there. The row over how this played out and whether there was a block of ice or an empty chair or a Michael Gove or a Boris Johnson is slightly less important than the substance of the debate, really, because it is a looming issue. Yeah, absolutely. Ed Evans, uh, would you agree? I mean, is it, you know, it does say something, does it not, that the, the Prime Minister isn't talking about climate change, which obviously is going to affect all of us? Yeah, and it's something that Gove has, been, has, made, a lot, has made a lot of ground on as a former Environment Secretary. Mm. I think, you know, the, the argument afterwards about who was at the debate, whether the Tories should have been there, I mean, it's a synthetic argument mm. in many ways. Um, you know, and Gove turning up with a camera crew at the studios mm -hmm. conveniently mic'd up to make the protest. I mean, it suits their ends that they want to put if they want to portray themselves as, as politicians of the people with against the metropolitan media but as adam rightly points out all it does is detract from the actual substance of the debate and the issue of climate change yeah which is uh, very important uh, and all of this the backdrop um to the election a very gloomy consumer I and mean, we've been talking about this morning uh on bloomberg radio the gfk consumer confidence survey uh, basically the key index of sent sentiment staying at minus 14 in november it's like a six year low. Brits are not feeling optimistic. How does that play into the election and how we think about it? Uh, I mean, Brits are being asked to go out in December and vote the dead for of a winter. government in the dead of winter, having seen, uh, uh, you know, having had one election two Brexit deadlines and a referendum in the past four years. Um, the housing market has been stalling. Uh, businesses haven't been investing. You know, uh, decisions have been delayed. Um, the country has been kind of at a standstill in, in, in many facets for, for a number of years. So not a huge surprise, perhaps, that confidence is at a low. Um, I'm sure Mr Johnson would say it would pick up once Brexit is done, but we wait to see whether the logjam can be broken and which direction the country might break in. Mm, Ed, what do you make of this then, of the idea of the kind of very gloomy consumer um, and also obviously around the polling, the mm. Conservatives are now getting quite cautious. The messaging now is very much with just 14 days to go. You know, don't be complacent. We've heard this from Dominic Cummings and, and others. Yes, I think you know, for any campaign that is apparently ahead in the polls, complacency is the big the big risk. And you can see that in the Cummings that are very carefully setting up, trying to combat that. Other things to point out, of course, mm. it is not, the polls may not be as close as they look. Yeah. Um, don't forget, if you look at the, the individual polls as they're coming in, Labour is gaining, beginning to gain ground, uh, just as it did in the 2017 election. Um, the lead, again, it's come down from about 12 points to about 10 points on average. If it gets down to about seven points, the pollsters say you're into a hung parliament territory. And don't forget, there are a number of races, I think it's 30 constituency, where Johnson has only a three point, uh, five point lead over the Labour Party. So some of this is still very close and much closer than, than, than just one poll would suggest. And that's why both sides are very nervous. Both sides going back to their bases, you know, the Brexit vote or, 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 or Corbyn's own constituencies and why there's so much agitation at this point. 
The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. All right, good afternoon. You're listening to Bloomberg Westminster. I'm Caroline Hepke. In a moment, my guest, Joe Twyman, co-founder and director of Delta Poll, will be delving into all of the polling and just what it can really tell us about the election, which takes place in 14 days' time. But first of all, let's have a look at what is making news in the world of politics. Uh, now, the digital election. The BBC has complained to the Conservatives about a Facebook advert that uses edited footage of its news reporters and presenters. The 15-second video was first shown on Thursday afternoon and has so far been seen by more than 100,000 users. But the BBC says that the material has been taken out of context and its lawyers have asked the party to remove the ad. Well, speaking of digital, I think the best read that I looked at this morning was in The Guardian newspaper, an interesting report into US donors that The Guardian says are giving money to right-wing UK groups. Uh, The paper says that 11 wealthy American donors uh, they have identified have given a total of more than $3.7 million, that's £2.86 million, to four think tanks in the past five years that have been very vocal in the debate about Brexit and also the UK's future trade relationship with the EU. So it's Guardian reporting, yes, uh, and some of the think tanks have defended themselves, but I just thought it was quite a fascinating read, uh, really going to this point about influence in a digital world, foreign funding in British politics, which in the past are sort of pre Previous rules have kind of managed to keep quite a good grip on. Now, perhaps that looks in peril. We shall see. Consumer confidence is another one that I was looking at this morning, uh, really remaining stuck at its lowest level since 2013, according to GFK. Uh, Uncertainty around the election and Brexit really continue to weigh on British households. So it's a very gloomy consumer that will be going out to the polling station or mailing in uh, the ballot form. GFK Consumer Confidence Index held at negative 14 in November. So those are the stories that I've been looking at. But let's talk about the polls. Joe Twyman with me. Great to speak to you, Joe, uh, co-founder and director of Delta Poll. So this was a very interesting week, uh, quite busy. <laughs> yes, yes, quite <laughs> very busy. Very hectic. Um, you still are looking at polls with the Conservatives maintaining a healthy lead. Is that still the case? Yes, that's right. Uh, there are lots of polls out at the moment, and it sometimes can get a bit confusing about which poll is showing which kind of movement. It's always a good idea to look at the long-term trends that each individual poll has. And the long-term trends that we're seeing really across all of the pollsters is the Conservatives at the beginning of the campaign built up a healthy lead between sort of 11 to 15 points, mm-hmm. depending on who you looked at. And more recently, there seems to have been a slight narrowing of that gap, with the Conservatives dropping back a bit and Labour picking up a bit, but still with, uh, in most cases, a double-digit lead for the Conservatives. So the point to that is that it means, obviously, a majority potentially forecast, maybe, for the Tory party, which obviously would be vital to get through the Brexit issue, according to the Tories. But it would certainly, um, you know, 
be very different to the kind of hung parliament scenario. Well, you say, obviously, and in normal times, we would expect it to produce exactly what you're talking about. But these are not normal times. Mm. And really, there are three reasons why uh, the current polls could indeed change significantly and why how they translate to national seats may be different. Firstly, it's the fact that this is not a national poll. It is 650 individual seats. And in those individual constituencies, the precise dynamics of Brexit versus Leave, of independence versus unionism of, in Scotland, of anti-Semitism versus, uh, versus the Labour Party policy in other, uh, in other areas could have an impact. And so in specific constituencies, the picture may be very different. And that could mean that, uh, mean that the usual estimates we make for seats are not played out uh, not played out in the election plus there's still just under two weeks to go things can still happen most people actually won't start paying attention until the last week if indeed then uh, and then of course there's the fact that uh, there's the fact that polls always have a margin of error associated with them and so things can uh, uh, things can change and yeah. the events of the campaign could uh, could impact on that no absolutely two weeks is a very long time in in UK politics but what I do note from from the polling does seem to be that the idea of this being a very multi-party election seems to have faded somewhat as you see more jockeying between uh, Tory and Labour. And the SNP obviously very strong in Scotland, or at least the polling very strong in Scotland at the moment. But Joe Swinson of the Liberal Democrats, the Brexit Party and Nigel Farage, they seem to have faded a little bit in the polling? Yes, but this is a trend that we've been seeing really that's continued since uh, since May and the European elections uh, that conducted. The Brexit Party got the largest share of the vote there. The Liberal Democrats did very well as well. But since then, as attention has moved away from Europe specifically as an issue, and European elections are unusual in very, very many respects, but as, uh, as the concentration's moved away from that and we've moved towards more general issues for the general election, and at the same time the Conservatives changed their leadership and their position on Brexit, all of that has meant that the, uh, the parties that did well in the Europeans have seen their share of the vote decline. And at the start of the campaign, I think they both hoped that that would turn around and that in, in individual constituencies, there could be a change. Now, particularly for the Lib Dems, that could still be the case. Mm. They could still pick up things because of uh, because of personal votes. But generally speaking, at the national level, the story for both of those parties has been one of decline. Mm, yeah, I mean, there are also a lot of independent candidates running, an unusually large number of independent candidates running uh, in this election. Uh, look, I note um, that you've talked a lot about how the debates and the manifestos don't appear to be having a big impact in terms of how voters are thinking about the election. And, you know, I was talking earlier also, the number of TV debates and TV interviews and the sort of back and forth about which particular interviews various leaders should shouldn't be doing that's that's playing big at the moment they all have the potential to make a difference and these are certainly attracting a lot of attention within uh, within the media but the thing is generally speaking campaigns don't make much of a difference certainly not to the overall result yes there might be fluctuations along the way and you have talking points but you rarely have turning points 2017 was the exception to prove that rule uh, there was a big change in the uh, uh, in the state of the parties throughout the campaign and and the, uh, and the Labour Party were able to close quite a substantial gap to get within shi- uh, within striking distance of the Conservatives, but not to overtake them. I imagine that we'll see a similar trend this time around with the gap closing, but I think it's unlikely to be in uh, the scale of last time. And so the likelihood of them being able to prevent that uh, uh, that 
majority. Looks unlikely at the moment. But we still have things like the NATO summit and Donald Trump visiting. Yes. We still have uh, the debate on the 6th of December with just Jeremy Corbyn and Boris Johnson. If anyone can pull a gaffe out of the hat, it's Boris, uh, it's Boris Johnson. <laughs> so these things could still have an impact. But at the moment, the movement has been relatively minor. No, absolutely. I mean, the, the fear, uh, the anxiety and the sort of opportunity uh, light has kind of gone on in, in the sense that President Trump is going to be here on Monday. I mean, already I note that Mr. Johnson has sort of tried to make it clear that it would be unwelcome for the president to step in. But there, there's always that risk. Uh, well, I, I don't think Donald Trump often does what people no. tell him to do. <laughs> and so I imagine that whether Boris Johnson wants to, him to intervene or not will have little impact on his behaviour. Uh, he may choose not to. He may think that he's helping. I doubt, looking at the data and the support that Donald Trump has, I doubt that would be, uh, would be positive. Even among Conservative sp- supporters, he is a very divisive character. Yeah. And among those people, the types of people that Boris Johnson needs to win over... He is even more divisive, and so uh, and so. I would imagine that any intervention would uh, would be unhelpful. But yeah. uh, uh, but I think the more important impact will be potentially the debate on the sixth of December. If there's still a gap between the two main parties, there, I think it's likely that Jeremy Corbyn, at least to some extent, will be advised to throw caution to the wind and really uh, really go for it. Really try to make something stick. I see. Um, yeah, I mean. Uh I, I think it's also interesting. Obviously, divisive. I think is a well-chosen word because uh, you know President Trump, um, you know, polls very badly. Has always polled very badly. You know, two thirds, more than two thirds of um, of UK citizens sort of have an unfavourable view of him. That's been fairly true over the last year or two. You can probably correct me on the. No, no, numbers. no. You're right. Well, the only correction is it's slightly higher than that. Slightly higher, <laughs> exactly. He's not Even doing that well. Okay, um, but that sort of takes me to our. Oh, uh, leaders and their individual popularity, because it's not just about um, you know the party, the manifesto, and and even the individual parliamentary candidate for for the constituency. It's, it's about the leader. Just tell me about how the popularity for Mr. Corbyn, Mr. Johnson, and the other leaders uh, is looking at the moment. This is a really good point because in election times we pay a lot of attention to what geeks like me call the horse race. In other words, which party is ahead in the voting intention question. But there's of course a massive amount of underlying data that's uh, that's um, collected as part of this process. And what we see is that the underlying data favours the Conservatives. When it comes to the leadership ratings that you're mm. asking about, Boris Johnson is on about minus four, minus five at the moment in terms of net support. Now, that may not sound very good, no. but compared to other politicians, that's actually a really good result. To be in positive territory at all is virtually unheard of. And so he's, uh, he's still doing well in that respect. And so not only is he doing well in absolute terms. In relative terms, he's doing very well. Jeremy Corbyn is on minus 40 around uh, around that region. So he's a, a massive country mile behind uh, behind Boris Johnson in terms of leadership. And then when you ask questions like, well, which party is best able to deal with the economy? The Conservatives lead by some distance. Which company, uh, which uh, organiser, <laughs> which party is best able to deal with uh, health and the NHS? Even the Conservatives lead there by a small distance. And which party is best able to deal with Brexit? Again, the Conservatives lead. So on the issue that is historically the most important, the economy, the Conservatives lead. On the issue that people feel is the most important facing the country, Brexit, the Conservatives lead. Mm. And on the issue that people feel is most important to them and their family, the Conservatives lead. Health, if only just. That all favours the Conservatives. It's never been the case in the whole history of British politics that a party has come from behind on leadership and economic 
economic management to win the most seats at a general election. Never happened. Wow. Well, that is something uh, to bear in mind. Just on the anti-Semitism route, though, that has also been significant. Obviously, we had the chief rabbi intervening very unusually in politics. Do you think that is an issue that really damages Labour or or does it have wider reach? I I think it has wider implications than simply anti-Semitism. Specifically, anti-Semitism will have a lot of impact in specific constituencies, in some specific constituencies across Britain, but the number of those is relatively few. Instead, What it demonstrates is that Jeremy Corbyn is not as good a leader, not as good at controlling his party, at bringing about unity, and that can be damaging. Bloomberg Westminster. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.